Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. How do you mental game? It's one of the biggest asked questions that we hear. How do you actually coach mindset? Can you coach mindset? Or is it something you're just born with? Wrestling Mindset, Mindset Monday. We're excited to bring you another great episode. Key thing number one, do our certification. At the end of September, for the first time ever, we're doing a wrestling mindset exhaustive certification. So as a coach, you're going to have the tools to coach the mindset training. It's going to be great. All of our mindset lessons, I'm going to do two private consultations with you, limited to 30 people. We're going through the program and not just the program, but also the exact principles, philosophies that underlie the whole program. There's a lot of little nuances that we do that other people don't, and we're excited to bring them to you. That's right. So why should we coach the mental game? I guess we start there. Right. And maybe maybe I'll take that question. So when you ask any any athlete, any coach, any parent, what percent of wrestling is mental? Almost everyone says 90 percent mental, sometimes higher, sometimes a little bit lower. But we know it's it's very mental. And we know that on match day, it's probably 99 percent mental. Right. Because all the physical work is done. It comes down to, you know, how are we thinking? Do we believe Um, comes down to our mindset on match day? So wrestling being 90 percent mental. That's why you should coach the mental game. And the same people you ask that question to, and they tell you 90% mental, that you then ask, well, how much time are you spending training mentally? And it's usually less than 5% of their time. So there's obviously a problem there. Yeah, usually it's the opposite. So we call that the training paradox. That's the, right. the informal name that we've, that we've been kicking around. So when we say it's 90% mental, but we're training 90% physical, that's a training paradox. You need to, And we need to bridge the gap between the two. So most coaches know that, but a lot of coaches are still asking, can it be learned? Like I have an athlete who just has the mindset. This other athlete, they don't have the mindset. They need the mental training. What would our coach Zeke Jones say about can something be learned? Yeah, everything can be learned. That's right. Anything can be learned and things can be unlearned. So a lot of the habits that your athletes and yourselves have been growing up with your entire lives from the media, the environment, our families, and just past experience, 
we've learned to think a certain way. And sometimes we've created destructive patterns and, and unproductive mental links. Well, very, very simple. We need to break those mental links. We need to create new, empowering, logical, rational, and positive patterns. And there's a way to do it. There's a systematic way to go from unconfident or very nervous to confident. There is a way to get more motivated, assuming that you want it. So we could fan the fire, but we cannot put it into the athlete. We spoke about this uh, on our last pod. You can't make an athlete passionate about the sport, but you can fan the fire and you can do things to, you can make sure you're not blocking it. So that's that's where we're at today. That's right. So coaching the mental game. First, let's, let's go into what not to do, right? So how do you, what not to do when you're coaching the mental game? I'll start with the first one. First thing would be is not training it. (laughs) <laughs> just just not doing anything about it. That's the first not to do. Um, and then the second one would be waiting until there's a problem. And that's what you see. I don't know the percentage, but most people are doing this. They don't start training the mental game until there's a problem, until they're maybe they're struggling as a slow starter in tournaments or in matches, right? They're not coming out. They're not coming out of the blocks hard. They don't start wrestling and picking it up till late in the second period. Um they're not pulling the trigger in matches. They're giving opponents too much respect. So don't wait until there's a problem. That's a that's a that's a losing battle. Can you fix things? Yes, of course. But you want to you want to uh, what what's the quote Ben Franklin? Uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So don't wait until there's a problem. That would be what not to do. We were just talking about one of our top teams, Poway. And it's not like things were going wrong with the team. They wanted to use the mental training really as their edge, as their competitive edge against their against their opponents. So, I mean, you wouldn't wait. Think about strength training. I always look to the strength training analogy. You don't wait to get overpowered to start weightlifting. Oh, my kid doesn't need weightlifting. He's very naturally strong. He's got great genetics. His dad is big, that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden he goes out there and gets completely overpowered. And they say, well, now he needs to strength train. And that athlete's doing well, so they don't need to strength train. That's that's ridiculous. You would start strength training so you don't get overpowered. You want to you want to have a preemptive attack here. You don't want to wait until it's a problem. And again, like we said, it's not just for people with a problem. It's for people who are already doing well too, and they want to make sure they're running on all cylinders. They're maximizing their potential because at the end of the day, the athlete who knows how to maximize their potential, all things being equal, can and will beat the athlete who doesn't know how to optimize what they have. Yeah. The next thing not to do would be making it optional for your team. And we've seen coaches that do this. They're like, well, I don't, I don't want to mandate it. But then you go back to that strength training analogy. You could have a guy who's really strong in your team. You're not going to say, you don't need to work out today because you know, you're, you're already strong. You're set. Cannot make it optional for the team. It's got to be part of the team training. It's got to be part of your practice. I mean, you look at it, how, how many, how many training pieces, how, how many parts of training do you actually make optional for your athletes? And we do hear this from coaches all the time. They say, well, it's got to come from them. Some of them aren't bought into it. And you could understand where the coaches are coming from. It sounds right on the surface. These, these kids don't want it. These kids don't believe in it, so on and so forth. So I don't, I don't want to do it until they buy in. That makes no sense. Think about running sprints after practice. How many of your wrestlers, if they had to choose, are going to run the sprints? Some will, of course, but a lot of them won't. Hey, if you feel like your conditioning struggling, stay after and we'll do 20 sprints. 
they're probably not going to stay, most of them, or come in and do an extra workout, but you know they need it. So the smart coach says, this is a part of the sport. We understand mindset to be a vital part of the sport. You don't have a choice. You have to be there during these minds. I mean, that's what the coaches do for technique, for strength training, for conditioning, and so on and so forth. Why would it be any different for this? It doesn't make sense. Nope. And then I would say another thing of what not to do is assume that goal setting is enough, right? A lot of times we see, uh, you know, we hear coaches, yeah, we do goals. We we do mindset training. We we have everyone write down their goals. That's good. It's a good start. And, you know, even when we were at Penn, we wrestled, we had a sports psychologist who came in a handful of times, which is better than nothing. But one of the few things that we did one year, we have a whole booklet from the USOC. And the only thing that, that I had written down was, was my goal, which again, it's good to write down your goals. You want to have goals, short and long-term goals. But at the same time, those, that's something that I knew, right? That was easy for me. I knew what I wanted to accomplish in high school and college, especially in wrestling. Um, that it's just not going to cut it. It's not enough. You know, we need things that are directly dealing with our preparation, our performance, you know, what's going to help us perform better and, and prepare better. Jeff, was that a number that you just said? Because we, this, this was a new number because you cut for a second transitioning to this. We're still in what not to do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So again, it has to be more than just writing down your goals. It has to be more than imagery. It's got to be much more concrete, practical. The athlete's putting the pen to paper. That's right. The next thing, what not to do, assume that your kids are telling you the truth. Right. Dan Gable, we, we talked about this in our last podcast. Gable said this at our leadership clinic that a big mistake he made originally, uh, he had kids fill out a survey and they would write down, you know, how they wanted to be motivated, what they needed from the coach. And he just assumed that everything was true. And then he realized while coaching that a lot of kids are just telling you what you want to hear. You know, it's like, how, how are you doing? It's like, yeah, things are good. Go every. It's like if every time I'm talking to to a kid on my team, a student, an athlete, everything's good. You probably have to ask better questions because it's just not the case. Sometimes we're struggling. Sometimes we're dealing with stuff. So you cannot assume that your kids are telling you the truth, which is which is well, we'll get into this, but a big reason why you want to outsource your your mental training and use somebody else to help you. But speaking directly to this point, this is this would be the benefit of wrestling mindset coming and working with your team because. We have strategies to pull this information out of the kids. So whereas whereas Dan Gable is thinking enough to tackle this question, this challenge, the 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 um, you know, how they want to be coached. Well, with wrestling mindset, we could help someone like Dan Gable, who's already thinking about doing it, to ask the right questions to pull out more honest information. So that's why I want to take it to the next level. Dan Gable did a great job making sure that he actually put these questions out there. Now, we would take that a step further and use our expertise to get the information that Gable's looking for. And that's at the highest level. So think about it. If that would help Iowa, what would that do for your team? That's right. And then the last thing I have, what not to do is assume that you're going to have enough time to do it by yourself. I've heard coaches that are that are probably really good at the mental game. And I've heard, you know, college coaches and high school coaches, and they say that, you know, this is something that I like to do. This is something that I'm good at. And I'm not saying that they're not good at it. And I'm not saying they don't like to do it. It's just, do you really have enough time to deal with each individual athlete on the team? And I, I would say it's very doubtful. You know, at very least you're going to need assistant coaches who are spending time with individuals and 
still, there's just a lot of time that needs to be put in, you know, and we're working with an athlete. It's, it's every single week. So it's uh, the, the, what not to do would be assume that you have enough time to do it all on your own, whether you're good at it or not, there's just not enough hours in a day. And, and the other reality is that you're just in the weeds. There's a lot you're doing as a coach, as an administrator. You're thinking about technique. You're thinking about the maintenance of the athletes, their grades. You're thinking of scheduling, all these different things. So it's like, it's, it's just, you're already in the weeds. Go back to the strength training analogy. I wrestled at Rutgers. I wrestled at Penn. And I coached at Springfield College. The head coach, what do they all have in common? The head coach or even the assistant coaches were not the strength coach. An outside party trained the team with strength. Strength Now, does it mean that the coaches couldn't give a lifting program? Of course they could. They know about strength training for wrestling, but they never did that. Why? Because at that point in time, the coach knew it was smarter to turn, that per- turn the team over to someone else who's an expert in that field. And I, as the coach now, can focus on what I need to do. Coach Rain is a great example of this, a brilliant CEO of, and that's why um, Penn actually took a big decline from where it was when Raina left the program because Raina was great at pulling together experts from different fields and, and allowing them to do, do their job as opposed to maybe other coaches who tried to do many things themselves. So it's, yeah, bringing in a mindset coach is a big deal. Yep. So the second thing I wanted to talk about is what is the ideal situation for mental training, right? So I'm a coach of a high school or a college what should I do? What's what's the ideal scenario? It'd be the same thing if you asked me what was what should they do to get better, at, get stronger? How do I make my athlete physically stronger? Well, you need consistent strength training. Doing it once isn't going to cut it. Doing it twice isn't going to cut it. Doing it once in the beginning of the year, once in the middle of the year, and once at the end of the year, that's not going to cut it. You know that for strength training. So why would it be any different for your mindset? So What you're really asking me is, how do I make my team more mentally strong? Or if you're a parent, how do I make my son or daughter more mentally strong? Consistent mindset training. Every single week as a team, you dedicate 30 to 45 minutes where the mindset coach comes in through Zoom. And we work with your team, not just a motivational speech, but putting the pen to paper and the athletes doing our curriculum, doing the worksheets to build these mental muscles. It's the same answer as strength training. Just now, this is mental strength. That's right. And I'd say one of the things that we see, I'm, I'm actually wearing the Bergen Catholic shirt right now, is that the teams that have the most success, they take advantage of the team training. So you have a mindset coach who's working with the entire team. And then you have one-on-one training, which is done, obviously, individually. So there's everyone, it's mandatory for the team. And then some of the people are taking advantage of the one-on-one training. So you have the, you're building the culture within the team. And then naturally, there's going to be some people that want to do more of it. You know, could everyone benefit from doing more? Of course. But I think when you when you look at the one on one training, we've noticed that you don't want to force that too much. That's got to come from the athlete. Yes. So so in other words, there, when we work with your team, not only do we do consistent team mindset sessions over Zoom, but your athletes are open to call us privately and we're happy to answer any questions any doubts fears insecurities any drama that goes on during the year but separate that's all part of the team program but separately from that parents sign their kids up for the one-on-one program where we actually take them individually through the curriculum and the worksheets when we work with the team again we're open to speak to any of the individuals but that's more putting out fires dealing with situations as they occur 
we're more than happy to do that. But again, Bergen Catholic, probably more than most teams has done a great job at this. We work with their team and then several individuals on their team are going through that individual program, filling out the worksheets and the curriculum with their own personal mindset coach, which is great. They get the benefit of the team and then they have an opportunity where they're removed from the team. Their mindset coach has no interest in the team. And that's good. Just that degree of separation. It's not, they don't care about the team, but they're all focused on the athlete. So it's, that's the ideal scenario. We're working with the team weekly doing ideally the full 24 workshops. So it'll be throughout the school year. It'll be, if not every week, every other week. And we're working with individuals from the team. I mean, think about that from a strength training point of view. If you had 24 solid strength training sessions every week or every other week, the team's going to get stronger. Yep. Another good example of that, we, we did our podcast on a Fargo recap, Valiant College Prep down in Arizona with Henry Cejudo and uh, Angel Cejudo is running it. You know, same thing, working with the team throughout the year. So it's not even just during the season. And a lot of their individuals are doing the program individually. And then Poway that Gene just mentioned, that's the one that we could almost guarantee success because the coach is a big believer in mental training. They're doing it as a team and their individuals are signing up. So it's, it's like you can almost guarantee success. You can never guarantee it, but that's a situation where if you follow that, I'd imagine good things are going to come from that situation. Do you want to hit on about why that's important in the summer? Because a lot of times kids and teams will drop off in the June month, and then they'll pick it up again in September or October or November. Why would we not want to lose the months of June through October? Well, that's that's when the pressure is is the least Right. So it's like you want to continue to have urgency to improve in the offseason. And it's just some of these lessons are tough to internalize when there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of stress in the offseason. That's the best time to recap what happened in the season. You know, what did I do well mentally? What do I need to improve on mentally? And again, just like strength training, that's that's when you can really build that up without focusing too much on competition. Right. Our, our private coach in, in high school, Don Ernst, God rest his soul, just passed away. He said, he would always say he does his best coaching in the off season. And he was speaking about technique. He does his best coaching in the off season. And his reasons were in the season, you're in the middle of the war zone. Emotions are too high that in the off season, that's where you could have a fresh perspective. You're not thinking about making weight. You're not thinking about wrestle offs. You're not thinking about the next competition. It's dialed in focus on technique. It would be the same thing with mindset, right? Think about strength training. Go back to that analogy. Are you usually making the biggest gains in season or out of season? Same thing with mindset. I rest my case. <laughs> Another important thing for an ideal situation, mental training program, having major buy-in from the coaches. So you talked about this last time on our podcast. A good example of the business we were working with, Sean DeDine, former teammate of our brother at Rutgers, worked with his team at AXA. Now he's an owner of his own, his own um, business, the Axel Group which they're kicking butt over here. He's 40 under 40. He was a big believer in the training, right? So it was mandated for a sales team. He believed in it. He was speaking the same language and he used that to build a team culture. So again, if the coach buys in, if the coach is a part of the team sessions, if he's active, um, then you had another example of that too, right? Adam Derangowski. Just going to say, go ahead. Third in the nation. Right. So we work with his company, DMD, and he's in there. He's participating. He's dialed in and he's the manager. So, again, if, if you have a, if you have a manager or a coach that's dialed in, they're more likely to be successful. Now, we've seen coaches throughout the years do different things. So I've seen coaches when we run the mindset sessions with the team, they step away and they leave that to the team. 
and other coaches stay there with the team and we can never force anyone what to do. But my recommendation is the coach stays there because the coach a lot of times is not familiar with the small nuances and the different mental exercises we're giving these athletes. We've seen that when the coaches stay there and they're trying to learn themselves and they're trying to implement this, the chances of the team being successful go way up, way up. So ideally as a coach, you want to be there during the mindset sessions. And if they're there and they're asking questions, again, it just shows that it's important. The other thing, another part of an ideal situation for mental training, getting out of the wrestling room when you can, right? Some of the best situations we've had, we have the athletes in a classroom, you know, so it's not just them recovering after practice. Now you can do it that way. You can do it before practice, but the best mental training is done when they, they have a pen and paper, they're sitting in a classroom, they're comfortable and they're going through their training separately. And, and way better than school because now here you're actually speaking about wrestling. There couldn't be a more interesting topic for, for a kid, for a serious wrestler anyway, that you're actually talking about wrestling, but you want that structure. We've seen it many times after practice, the kids are sweaty. They're starting to get cold. They're sitting in a circle. They're laying down flat on the ground. Now they're using their pen on the mat, on top of the mat on their piece of paper. It's just not a, it's not a suitable environment. You really want them in those rows where they sit down and they go through the exercises because that school setting snaps them into a more optimal, I'm paying attention mode, as opposed to after practice, I just want to take a shower. But Right. And then the last thing for the ideal situation is to to outsource to a mindset coach, right? So let's get into that one. So the last thing we're going to, we're going to talk about here, why to outsource mental training, and then we'll get into how do you get your kids to buy into mental training? But let's start with that. Why would you outsource? We, I know we hit on some of this, but what are some other reasons you should outsource to a mindset coach? Why well, should you use wrestling mindset, basically? So first of all, we believe you're a good coach. We know that you know a lot of the mindset lessons. You've been through wrestling. You know intuitively certain strategies to relax under pressure, to build confidence, to build motivation or mental toughness. So that's number one. We are not trying to do your job. Let's get that on the record first and foremost. I come in, our mindset coaches come in and work with your team. You're very necessary to the success, even more necessary. So we're not trying to take your job here. What we're doing is with our expertise, doing this for over 13 years with some of the top teams and some of the top individuals, not only in the, in the country, but in the entire world, we're experts at what we do. And we could be a great supplement to what you're already doing. Again, the strength coach knows different nuances that maybe the coach isn't familiar with, and they know how to how to how this to work, how this is going to work with each individual. Same thing with the mindset coach. We know the nuances. We've systematized the program. Most coaches, even the best ones like a Dan Gable, Bobby Douglas, they have not codified exactly how do you improve confidence, mental toughness, relaxing under pressure. We broke it down. We took the guesswork out of it. And our track record speaks for itself. So why would you create more work for yourself when we could do this for you and what we do is excellent? So that's the thing, realizing that, yes, there's things you can do, but you're not going to do it as well as us because this is our expertise. Let us help you with this. Let us take this weight off your back. And then another thing we hear from a lot of coaches, whether it's the Olympic coaches, college coaches, high school coaches, they said it was good to hear it from someone else. So again, I'm sure a lot of the principles that we're talking about, you are talking about that with your team, right? But at the same time, just like a parent, 
you know, parents are always saying stuff to their children and it's just like, I, I need them to hear it from somebody else. And then they hear it from a coach and it clicks and the parents thinking, what the heck, you know, I've been telling him this for the last like five years. And then his coach told him once, and now he starts to do that. So it's a similar thing when you're hearing your coach all the time, then you have a third party, somebody from the outside, you know, they're hearing it from someone else. And sometimes that helps it to click. It's, it's a yes. And it's a no, because a lot of times we are saying the same thing as the coach, but a lot of times the coach is agreeing with what we're saying and they think they're saying the same thing that we are, but they're really not. Right. So when the, when the coach says, focus on what you could control, forget about what you can't control our whole predator prey mindset. Right. They're saying that we're providing the analogy that's going to stick with the kids and we're taking it a step further. The most important part, they're putting the pen to paper and they're writing down, they're doing the exercise. Okay, this is what I'm focusing on that's outside of my control. Here's what I'm going to shift my focus to that's within my control. Most people don't take that extra step, and maybe they might do it once or twice, but not on a consistent basis. So yep. sometimes we are saying the same thing the coach is saying, and a lot, very frequently we're going well beyond what you're saying as the coach. But that's, again, that's that's what we do. So yeah, that's and then, and then also as a mindset coach, they're emotionally detached, right? There's, there's a lot of emotion that goes into it when you're a coach. You're dealing with a lot of other things, you know, the, the people that you're going to be competing against. So you have somebody who's unbiased, emotionally detached, and who's thinking about the big picture, right? Not that the coach isn't, but we're certainly thinking about the, the future of the athlete, right? Not just uh, the results in wrestling this year. Right. What's what's going to happen in the future in wrestling? Long term goals. What, how are they going to get a job? How is this going to apply to their career? So there's things that there's benefits outside of just results this year in wrestling. And it's pretty simple that even us with you know our expertise and what we do, if we're coaching a high school team, there's no doubt they're going to be working with a mindset coach. Our kids, when they start competing, they're going to have a mindset coach and not us someone separately where they can where where they can speak about these things someone who again who's unbiased who's able to look at the big picture and being a little more mentally and emotionally detached that's always going to help you that can't hurt that's right and then i would say also for outsourcing the case for outsourcing more time and energy we talked about that it just takes a lot of time a lot of energy um so I, you know, I just think there's no way that a college coach or a coach and two assistants are going to have enough time to address the the mental game when it's 90% mental, right? There's just a lot of time, effort, and energy that needs to go into that. And you're, you're there. The coach is already putting so much time and energy into other things. So that's another exactly. And I think about even in college when we had this U.S. sports psychology training manual. Even if Zeke took the team through it, it would basically be he has the worksheets, but. Okay, fill out page one, fill out page two. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I mean, he, didn't, he didn't do that with the team, but I'm saying even if he said that, if you're actually going through it and giving it the respect that it deserves, because each lesson is really a, a gold mine of information. So that's right. what the mindset coach do, that, that, that the coach is not probably going to do. And going back to that, even the coach with the best intentions, we can look at mine, it's somewhere here in the bookshelf, but I had like one or two pages filled out. It's probably a... I don't know, 60, 70 page mental training manual, which is, you know, awesome. Great material. Ours, ours too. We probably were, we got to be over a hundred here pages, but it's, if somebody's not, if you're not de allocating time and going through it, it's just, it's, it's not going to happen on its own. And, and if you really think that it's, that it's going to happen, don't take our word for it. Journal it. 
Write it down this season or go through your past. Start with the past right. years. So hopefully this year you could take the bull by the horns and you could do the mindset training, but actually write it down. What sessions did you do with the kid? What exercise did they do? How did you concretely address them relaxing under pressure, building confidence? What were the exact exercises? Write it down. And if, if that's not enough, then even if you did this year, write it down. Journal this year just how frequently you do it. I think you'll see you have better intentions than you're actually putting into these athletes improving there. With us, we take the guesswork out of it. It's a proven track record. Let us do our job. And then you'll know for sure that they did their mindset training. You crossed your T's, you dotted your I's, you left no stone unturned. Their mind is ready to compete. That's right. All right, the next section here, how do you get kids to buy in, right? Mental training is not always the easiest. It kind of has that stigma, right, of a, of a psychologist, a counselor. How do we get our athletes to buy into mindset training? The analogy right off the bat, strength training for the mind. Kids relate to that. I mean, no one laughs at anyone for having a strength coach. <laughs> the most serious athletes have a strength coach. So it'd be the same thing. Your mindset coach is your strength coach for your mind. So that'd be one. We're, and we're constantly doing things like this and using words to make it cool, to make it practical, to make it um, more relatable to the kids. That's a big problem. When people start with goal setting or people start with imagery, which are great information, we cover goal setting and imagery. It's not an immediate hook. It's not an immediate buy-in. As opposed to us, when we come in with the team, we're saying, hey, look, we've been there before. I don't know what sports psychologist or hypnotist you've been to in the past, but we wrestled at the highest level or at the highest scholastic level. We, we didn't wrestle in the Olympics. Um, we would say we were there. Here's what we struggled with. We didn't want to let our teammates down, our coaches. We, we choked in big competitions. We we're more practice room wrestlers. Our worst match in the tournament was the first round. We're saying we're throwing out all these hooks that the athlete relates to. And we're saying, look, we're not going to go on and talk about how important what confidence is. We're not going to spend 30 minutes defining confidence, which is another mistake a lot of sports psychologists make. You know what confidence is. Here's the exercises to build it. So very practical, very down to earth and wrestling specific. Can't stress that enough. There's there's no guesswork. Even that Olympic sports psychology training manual, that was meant for all sports. So that means you take those worksheets. And now as a wrestling coach, you have to your job is to apply that to wrestling. We've done that already. So it's wrestling specific. It's down to earth. It's practical. I think you hit most of the bullet points there. One I'll add is don't wait for it to be a problem. Like we said before, if you wait for, you know, mental struggles to come about, then it's not cool. It's like, oh, you're struggling with this. You need to see a, a sports psychologist. You need to you need to work with a mindset coach. If you say like strength training, it's like whether you're the strongest guy on the team or the weakest team guy on the team, you should be working with the strength coach, right? You need to lift. You need to get stronger. If you do that from the get-go, it's going to be a lot easier because then it's, you know, you don't have that stigma as much because it's mindset is important. We're going to spend time on it. You know, we're not just waiting for it to be a problem. So I had that. Don't wait for it to be a problem. And then talking about personal experience, like you said before, that we've we wrestled division one in college. You know, we've been there, done that. I think when, you know, if any experiences you could share with with your team, things that you struggled with, it just helps them to buy in and, and open up. Yeah, when they when they see you've been down the, that road before and a lot of coaches do a pretty good job of this. Right. Yeah. They, they do talk about I mean, some coaches might be more guarded, but having that you know, opening up with that vulnerability, like, Hey, I was in your shoes before. And even like the struggle's real. I have my goals right now. Even when I'm dealing with the teams now, it's say hey, we have our business goals. So I'm right there with you. So these lessons apply every bit as much to me as they do to you. 
And as a coach, you need to know that, that these lessons and everything that we're saying, that's something you need to internalize. So when I think the team sees you on a quest for constant improvement, they're more likely to be on that themselves. And also looking at it is I'll take every advantage I could get, every legal advantage that I could get. I'm going to take it. I'm going to capitalize. And there's this whole body of information. Look at Kyle Dake now doing these functional patterns. I mean, I haven't done enough reading on this, but the point is he sees this this information and he's going to capitalize on it. And he was already a great wrestler. So with how proven the mindset training is, why do you not capitalize on it? It just makes sense. Yep. And I think you touched on this, but how to get kids to buy in, starting with with performance, very tangible things they could do rather than overly philosophical or psychological topics, which, you know, inevitably you do have to get into those things. You have to learn those different strategies, but make sure it's performance related right away. What's going to affect my next match? And if you could, if you could have an aha moment where they see, oh, I could see how this is going to help me improve or be less nervous or more confident before the next competition, you know, they'll, they'll start to listen a little bit more. The, the temptation right out of school right outside of a master's degree program, doctoral program, is to throw around the big words and to, and to show them that you've studied and, hey, I know what I'm talking about. That's almost a non-starter with the kids. You're, you're putting them to sleep, basically. They don't, they don't care about cognitive dissonance. They don't care about um, physiological cues. You can't say those kind of things. So making it much more down to earth, which, again, we took the guesswork out of it. So it's, it's right there. That's right. All right, I got a couple more more random things of how to coach the mental game. The first one that I have here, or the next step of this anyway, is building a culture, have clear team principles, right? And that's something you can see up there. The uh, the corporate mindset principles, Gene's got his mindset principles up there. But the first, the first thing you got to do is build a culture, right? It's like when you go into any karate dojo, one thing that they do a good job of, they have their creed up there. Right. They know what they believe. And you hear them reciting that before uh, practice. Um, wrestling hasn't always done a good job of that. So really making sure that the, the principles of your team are, are very clear. And yet, so you have our four mindset principles, which I'm sure everyone on this call has probably heard at some point. Uh, Omi Acosta, the, the coach from Life University, they were they were NAIA champs, Life University. His are care, commit and compete. Right. Very clear. Very simple and easy to understand, but they're consistent with it, right? It's something that, you know, that I know, you know, just haven't hear, uh, heard him speak a few times, right? Make sure there's principles that are simple to understand and they're communicated on a regular basis. Kale Sanderson would be another example, right? When you hear any interview from his athletes, they talk about how grateful they are. They talk about how they're having fun, right? So it's something that it's, it's not something that he just says before a big match, Clearly, those those principles are articulated on, on a regular basis. Otherwise, every single guy on his team wouldn't be saying that after their interview in the whatever, whatever match it is. So we've got to have clear team principles. Right. And understanding that's more important than the end goal. And it's and it's it's in those exact moments where the rubber meets the road, where the two seem to conflict. I'll give a concrete example to make this more under, understandable, but it's in those moments where, where they seem to conflict or they, they come to a head that now that's where the kids learn what's important to you. So if you're saying honesty and integrity is one of the team principles, and then the kid, uh, you know, and the, and the team policy is if you do this behavior, you, you have to sit out for a match and he's the star wrestler and you're in one of your goal matches coming up. The kid broke a team policy and he's supposed to be sitting out for the next match. 
And one of your principles is honesty. You see where I'm going with that, where if you let that kid wrestle, you broke one of your principles for the sake of winning. So why is a kid going to um, buy into that? So it's especially in those difficult moments where the kid sees, are, are your principles just more of a punchline or a catchphrase? Or is this actually what we're about? So we'll lose a match if it means or if it means not compromising our principles, if it means upholding our principles. I, I don't know if you remember this, but in high school, Coach G did this once. I don't remember exactly what happened. One of the guys on the team, he, whatever, mispracticed or he broke a team rule. And so he didn't let him wrestle. And it was like the first time ever that we were really in the hunt to beat Albridge, I believe it was. And I remember, that's what I was thinking of, yeah. He sat the kid out and we lost, I think, I think it was a tie, but we lost on criteria. And I teched the guy, should have pinned the guy. We could have won. But anyway, he's he had the, you know, the foresight that, you know, he broke a rule. You know, it's one of the principles of, of J.P. Stevens wrestling. And that guy didn't wrestle. And, yeah, we lose the match. But at the same time, you know, that's that's a lesson. That's a life lesson for that kid. Yeah, And a life lesson for us, too, because we're still thinking about it. Even. That's right. <laughs> so that, that our coach who our coach who we looked up to, he stood by his word there. And, you know, maybe we've made mistakes. Maybe we've compromised in the past in the sense of um, compromised our values for the sake of glory in a different area, whether it be school or, or or business, whatever we've done in the past. The point is, wherever you're at from today forward, be consistent with your principles. And the, and the, the big time where you really see what you're made of and the big time where your athletes or your children see what you're made of is when there's a conflict. You know, do I do I choose not to go to church on Sunday because there's a big tournament? Is there a way I could do both? I can't do both. Okay, then I choose church. Right. Or do you go to the national tournament? Well, because it's only once a year. Well, you just taught your kids. That's what's more important. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Next one I have. We touched on this a little bit, but leading by example. Right. How do you coach a mental game? Leading by example, looking to constantly improve yourself, um, adhering to your own principles. And then, and then it's like before a match, if we're talking about, you know, having fun and being composed before a match, talked about this last podcast, you got to be composed as a coach as you're going into the big match. We don't have to give them the, the big miracle, uh, you know, Hollywood pep talk before the match, because we know that's probably going to, they're already up here. We don't need to bring them through the roof, right? We want to be competing composed. And um, so we don't change things up. So if we want our athletes to be composed, we have to try to stay as composed as possible. Right. Look the part, be clear on the principles, and then live consistently with that, which means you have to think about it as a coach ahead of time. Because if you're just waiting for that big moment to, okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act the part, it's going to be difficult. You're human too, just like your kids. So mentally put yourself there. Doing a mindset exercise yourself. This is what I'm going to tell myself in that moment. These are the things I'm likely to feel. This is how I'm going to act. This is going to be my body language. The serious coaches will do it. That's right. Number seven or eight or t nine or 10. I don't know where we're at number wise, but the next one I have is have a system, right? Have a system with how you're going to improve the mental game of your team. So maybe it's, it's mindset Monday. We're going to all allocate 45 minutes to do a mindset training on Monday. Maybe there's some kind of toughness Tuesday challenge that we do. Um, there's going to, we're going to work on our pre-match routine before each match. We're going to have a post-match evaluation that the team goes through after every match, but have a system, you know, it can't just be when you think the team needs it. There's got to be, it's got to be built into the, um, just the, the program. It's got to be built in just like strength training. We know that 
It'd be Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday we're working out. Same thing. I have to have that plan with with um, with my mindset, and that's that's definitely what wrestling mindset is for. If nothing else, we have a plan. Consistency wins. And what good is being consistent if the if the plan doesn't work or if it doesn't have a proven track record? That's right. And then the last one I have: spend time with each athlete. Right, Coach Gable talked about this. You got to spend time with the best guy on your team. You got to spend time with the worst guy on your team. Right. People, people can see that. And as wrestlers, we're maybe a little bit, you know, we're looking for that a little selfish where it's like, I want, I want to get the most attention on the team. But as a coach, we have to be spending equal time, roughly equal time. You know, some people might require a little bit more, but we can't be neglecting people on the team. And, and again, that's just another reason to outsource because, you know, if you have a team of 20, 30 wrestlers, that's a lot of time. That's just a lot of time it's going to take. And we've seen it with coaches in our lives that that aren't really asking about how how you're doing. If you're if you're the second third string guy, they don't ask you how you're doing until all of a sudden they need you in the lineup. So the kids, you think the kids don't understand, but remember the fact that was a good point you made. The fact that it is an individual sport, the kids are programmed to think about me. So that means they're going to sense if you're just overlooking them. And the coaches that are giving attention to all those people, I get it. You might not be able to give equal attention, but they see you are trying. They see that at least you're trying to care about everyone on the team. That goes a long way, and the kids are more likely to fight like heck to do the best by you. Yeah, I was going to say a last point is just a key part is showing that you care. Right? We know that a coach influences more people in a year than most people do in a lifetime. Right? I think I read something like that, something close to that, which is crazy. Um, Show each athlete that you care. You know, they're going to be more willing to do more for you. And they're going to, they're just going to apply those lessons. You know, we knew that a lot of our coaches cared about us. And that's why it's like the lessons they taught us. We're still talking about 10, 20, almost 30 years down the road. And I'm sure we will in the future. So show your athletes that you care. That's, there's really no substitute for that. Same thing for a manager. Show that, show your employees that you care. You know, that's that's a big deal. Yep. So that's that's very important that you need to make sure that you actually you actually do. Care. And, the, and the way to show that you care is first to actually do care. And sometimes <laughs> it's, and, it, and it's tough sometimes because from an individual sport, we do get programmed. This is one of the big downfalls of wrestling that could happen if you're not thinking about the team. And if you're not thinking about building virtue, it could be all about me, me, me. John Smith said this was a big transition for him going from just thinking about himself to the team. I'm sure that's true with every coach. So you have to think about, I want to care about the team. You might have to pray, Lord, help me to care more about other people. But that's an, that's an important thing. So genuinely care. Ask about things going on outside of their life that goes into talking about things other than wrestling. Really stress the life lessons, the school, the career, telling them to do, helping them do things to advance their career, their academics in different parts of their life. It's, it's all important. Again, the kid can see if all you care about is wrestling or if you really even don't care about that. So take a personal interest in them. Coach Bell, going back to Bergen Catholic, you see he writes happy birthday to people. He write, he likes their posts. And such a simple thing to do. Right. But you, you get a sense of like, hey, he cares about me. It's not just about wrestling. It's, hey, happy birthday. I, I've never met a, a Bergen Catholic wrestler that you know didn't know that Coach Bell cared about him, whether they're the best guy on the team or the worst guy on the team. Their worst guys are pretty good too, but um, you know it's it's very clear that he cares about the guys, and that's why you know he has such an impact. Okay, last thing: how, how to coach? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Good. So oh, go mental game. That's literally what this coaching certification is all about, right? You're going to learn how to coach the mental game. So anyone who's interested, whether you're a parent, high school coach, college coach, rec coach, um, this wrestling mindset coaching certification is for you. We'll post that in the show notes, learn more. You're going to get a consult before and after the training with Gene. There's going to be two two-hour workshops in September, at the end of September, the 20th and the 21st. And also, you are going to get the entire program, every wrestling mindset exercise and lesson, and a video explanation from Gene himself explaining each lesson. Right. I mean, this is going to be the greatest coaching certification ever. And I'm biased because it's ours. But I really feel like that because I'm going to personally take you through, as a group, 10 of our best mindset lessons that are at the end of our wrestling mindset book. So get the wrestling mindset book, uh, Building the Predator Mindset. You get that on Amazon. Um, just so then you have it, you'll see the lessons that we have, but I'll take you through them as if I'm taking an athlete through it. So you'll see exactly how to do that. We're going to be recording the whole thing. You'll get all the lessons. And again, before and after, I'm going to personally consult with you. We're going to go through all the small nuances, how to get the buy-in from the athletes, how to make it cool, how to speak directly to the issues and how to, how to draw information out of the athletes. It's going to be great. You don't want to miss it. All right. With that. We're going to close up. Never stop believing. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.